Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 212 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike, I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be discussing the new Oceans Saga film, Oceans 8, starring Sarah Paulson. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing awesome, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing just great, thank you. Is this a saga? I, I didn't. I I did not prepare this introduction. I got caught off guard in the midst of it. What do What do you call well, this? A universe? Clearly, yeah. Clearly, you did not prepare. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I also haven't Before seen we... it. So <laughs> right. we'll that. do a hard stop. Right. You should run to the theater. Right. Check it out. Hey, before we get into this episode, I want to do a quick, what we in the business call it, a callback. Yeah. Uh, quick quick callback to last week's episode in which we discussed 1941's Best Picture winner, How Green Was My Valley. Yeah. Do you, you want to just re-record that one? Do Did you, you not remember? like how it turned out? I do. Do you remember that episode? I have not do forgotten. Do you remember the film? Yes. Kind of. Okay. Yes. Now, I'm talking about 1941's Best Picture winner, How Green Was My Valley, yeah. not 1940's How Green Was My Valley, which was a total reboot. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. No, I'm I, kidding. That one was a dud. Yeah. Right. So. Two things. One, um, after we we stopped recording, I had just a what's up with that stuck in my craw for the entire week as I've been simmering on How Green Is My Valley. And it's that the main character, Hugh, while he's working in the mine, calls his father Dad-Da. Dad-Da. Now, his dad is, like, one of the most respected guys at the mine, and he's been there for decades, and he's a real hard-nosed guy. And then comes this, like, 12-year-old kid who calls his dad, Dad Dad. <laughs> right, right. Even after working at the mine for a while, even when his dad is, is like, near death in the mine, like, during a mine, like, even while tragic he's, explosion. He's, like, supporting a family at the time. Like, he's at least, right. you know, 12, 13 years old, maybe. Maybe a little what? older. What is up? You're not allowed as a mine worker <laughs> now, to call your father Dada. Now that you bring Especially that up, I... at the mine, like at the workplace, <laughs> just cut, cut it. Like this, this you is gotta a call kid... by his first name at that point. Like when you're working, you're like, "Hey, Ed," you, you, you just call him Ed. You don't get to call him Dada. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes ago, his union colleague was smashing. A rock next to his face with yep. with a with a big sledgehammer while yep. Hugh was holding it. Once you get to that level, you don't call your father Dada. No, correct. Yeah, and not and not at work. Too weird. Right. Another thing that stuck with me since the last episode was actually one of the submitted questions from a listener for five questions, which was, "Do you dread having to watch old best pictures?" You know, and I had tried to answer thoughtfully at the time of, no, of course, I don't dread them. And, you know, maybe I'm not always as excited, but I really try to look at it as an opportunity, yada, yada, yada. And then after each, what listeners don't know is after we record a Best Picture winner and the episode is done and we're sort of, it's locked. Right. Then we unveil from the Best Picture Choosing Machine what the next, the next Best Picture will be that we're going to watch. Right. And in this case, it's 1932 or 33's Cimarron. <laughs> And I got to be honest with you, everybody, I'm freaking dreading this. <laughs> you wanna, you wanna... Like, I feel like I jinxed myself. Like, I am absolutely dreading we... having to find time and make time. And, like, you're at work and people are like, oh, what are you doing tonight? You're like, oh, I got to go home and watch Cimarron. We're going to have to recut the How Green Was My Valley episode so you can re-answer that one truthfully no, now. No, I feel like at the time capsule at the time, it was like it was like my whole life before I knew I had to watch Cimarron. <laughs> 
and now after it's like that like that's like on the timeline of my life you drop a pin right there and i answered that question one way beforehand next and is I gonna be wings ever answer it differently yeah <laughs> i forever will answer it differently i do so. i do dread it now yes yeah and i and i also you didn't get to answer the question because of course i was in the hot seat so i just quickly wanted to get your sense and your take do you dread watching these old best no pictures? i actually get sort of excited about it because back when we were in college and um you know you and i've both been into movies as long as we've known each other and I had thought that it would be kind of a cool thing to at least try to collect and own all of the Best Picture winners on DVD at the time. I think these are generally important films, that there's something cool and nostalgic and historic about them. and Plus Crash. And then there's Crash. And then, so I get, I actually get excited about seeing a movie that I haven't watched a lot of times. You know, the, the last 20 years, I've seen all of those best pictures in the theater already. A lot of them I've owned and rewatched several times. You know, sure. we did Departed. I've certainly seen that several times. American Beauty a ton of times. So I get kind of excited when it's a best picture that I can check off my list that's on my bucket list that I haven't seen. That said, I mean, some of them have just been dogs. Like the yes. Broadway melody of 1929 did not make me excited to watch 1930s Best Picture. Right, <laughs> like, right. that was awful. Like, and, but it is sort of kitschy and cool to see what was once considered the gold standard for American filmmaking. That's it. it it's at least neat to observe that history. I don't dread it. I. <laughs> I'm starting to get a little worn out on some of those. <laughs> you know, I work with some people who don't watch movies at all, at all. So when I talk to them, it's like they, they go to a movie once every five years or something. They, they can, they could barely even remember the last movie that they sure, saw, whether yeah. it was on, on streaming on DVD and they just don't do that. And part of me thinks, imagine the film goers in 1929, 30, 33, somewhere in there, it was a novel experience. It wasn't something that everybody did. So, you know, you're kind of one of those weirdos who saw the movie and you're trying to talk around the water cooler. Right. right. No one else saw the Broadway melody of 1929 yet. Good news is it was playing in a theater for like a year. So there's plenty of time to go catch it. But it just feels almost like that when we have to watch one of these pictures. It's like now I'm like one of five humans alive (laughs) who's going to sit and watch Cimarron. So, I don't know. It's like this weird, really isolating incident. It, it, it kind of is. You know, it's also just interesting to think about back when they made those movies and the fact that they didn't have multiplexes. Like, you didn't go to the movie right. theater with 14 screens and have your pick. Like, Broadway Melody was there for a year at right. at one of the two theaters that were in your town, and, and the other one was something else. So, it is it is interesting to revisit that that slice of American life that uh, is a bygone era. But some of these that we've still got coming up on our list, I think are going to be a push. And I think Cimarron's one of them. Cimarron's going to be a push. I hope we're both horribly surprised. It's going to be the most exciting movie you've ever seen. Yeah, maybe it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so sorry about that. I just wanted to to revisit that episode. I had a couple of, uh, I guess, lingering items. Good to come back to it. Yep, yep. But tonight we're here to talk about Ocean's 8, which is the... The new heist comedy, not a thriller. I guess we'll just call it a heist comedy. Yeah. Uh, this time great. from director Gary Ross, uh, who previously directed The Hunger Games and Seabiscuit. Okay. And it has a huge cast. You already mentioned 
Sarah Paulson, which is, I'm sure, the reason why most people saw this, her or Aquafina, but it also includes Rihanna, Mindy Kaling, Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Who else am I missing? Anne Hathaway. Yes. I mean, it's an it's an impressive cast. Right. Um, And in this movie. Sandra Bullock is the main character. She plays a character named Debbie Ocean, who is the sister of Danny Ocean, played by George Clooney in the Ocean's films, previously directed, produced by uh, Steven Soderbergh. And she is recently released from prison for absolutely committing a series of crimes. Uh, She got caught for one of which they sort of imply that maybe she... Yeah, she she did commit. Yep, she did commit a crime, and she was rightfully in prison. Yeah. But she's still mad about it, and uh, she gets out. And of course, her first plan is to go through and pull off the heist she spent the last five plus years planning while in prison, and that is to rob the Met, to rob the, rob the Met Gala, which is one of fashion's biggest nights of the year, held at the uh, the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And she assembles her crew, and they pull off. A dazzling jewel heist, possibly with other motives involved, and that's Ocean's Eight. Yeah. What? W- yeah. W- what did you think of Ocean's Eight? I gotta tell you, I love Ocean's Eleven, not the original with Frank Sinatra, but I really, really do find a lot to enjoy in the Steven Soderbergh remake with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, which launched. Uh, what, how many more Ocean's films there after that? There were two others. There, there was two Ocean's others. 12 okay. and Ocean's, 11, okay. uh, Ocean's 13. Okay. Um, I really like Ocean's 11, so I, I actually, I'll sit through 12 and, and 13. Like, they're okay. Um, so I really wanted to like this. I thought this has got a great cast. I like this type of movie a great deal, and I have a lot of affinity for, I guess you'd call it the, the Ocean's universe. You were trying to figure that out, right? But I thought this one was kind of a dud. I didn't find much to enjoy and some of the choices they made actively sort of rubbed me the wrong way okay yeah how about you i completely agree with you oh i I do like the original oceans 11 with frank sinatra and and the rat pack i bet Uh, you do but uh but i think that the steven soderbergh original if you can call it an original is one that i've revisited many many times and have a lot of fun with this one certainly within that same universe had a couple of the same touches, a little bit of the same flourishes throughout. But I think that it's got to be one of the most boring movies that I've seen in ages. And I count How Green Was My Valley amongst that. I really disliked this film. Wow, okay. Um, was there anything you liked about it? Uh, the music. I liked the music. The, it, it, that's one of the flourishes that's a holdover from the Steven Soderbergh series. Uh, I'm guessing it's the same composer, though I didn't fact check that. I think that it's it, it's a fun style of music. The the lots of percussion and kind of funky '70s style uh, instrumental soundtrack that I think would be like really fun to work to, like to be doing house housework to, or actually just have on the background when you're actually doing work work. I like that style of music, and I find it sort of energizing. That's the one and only thing that I enjoyed about the film. Wow, what what? So maybe what didn't you like about it? Did you did you? I think that the screenwriting was was sloppy. I think that it was boring. I think that I did not believe this 
cast of characters coming together in the slightest. I don't understand how you can assemble a cast like this with this much talent, this many Oscar winners and nominees and Emmy winners and nominees and have it fall so flat and be so bland. I wrote Mindy Kaling is not funny. Sandra Bullock is too snarky and Sandra Bullocky. Kate Blanchett is too Tilda Swintony. And why the hell is Rihanna here? <laughs> like what, 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 what's she doing in this, this yeah. movie that none of it made sense to me at all. The, yeah. the like Mindy Kaling is one of the funniest people on the planet. Bland as hell here. Sandra Bullock's kind of doing her Sandra Bullock thing and wasn't the worst part about it, but the rest of them I'm just blah 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 boring. I I just thought it was awful and th- this isn't like there was a lot of criticism about the Ghostbusters remake last year. Why make a right. female version of the Ghostbusters? When I looked at who was in this movie and I watched the trailer, I thought I was really going to enjoy the hell out of it. Maybe I went on the wrong day, but I was in a semi-crowded theater and I didn't hear a laugh uttered the entire time. It was just crickets. And yeah. I, I just think that it was it, it was bad screenwriting. I don't think the humor was great. I think that the heist is... We've seen this a hundred times before. I, I don't disagree with your thoughts i felt like this movie came in with a lot of advantages the cast is really impressive it's really high pedigreed i'm not a sarah paulson fan and i overtly dislike anna hathaway as a performer but everybody else i was more than excited to see and i like this type of movie and to your your point earlier it wasn't they made it very clear this was not a remake or a reboot it's not like the other movies and not that it needs to be some sort of shared universe, but this wasn't like a forget everything that we've told you before. Those movies didn't exist. And now right. this is the Ocean's crew, because if you're going to do that, why call it Ocean's anything? Right. Just write a new heist right. movie. Sure. But but they sort of we're going to tip the cap to the other ones. And this is just a different crew in that world. So you come into it kind of knowing what to expect. And what I expect is, you know, smart, capable crooks having a great time pulling off a heist against a villain played by another sort of well-known or respected actor who's sinking their teeth into a role. And there'll be multiple twists and turns and MacGuffins and reveals and sleight of hand along the way. But you're just going to be kind of chuckling to yourself the whole time. So you won't be annoyed when they pull the, the rug out from under you and, Turns out you were looking in the wrong place, right? That's that's what you get out of the Ocean's movies. And Ocean's Eleven had it in spades, had all of those things, including a great villain in Andy Garcia, right? You could kind of understand at times what Julia Roberts' character saw in him. So he was he was a bad guy, but a good guy, but a bad guy. And you really wanted to root for Clooney. You really wanted him and his ragtag bunch of guys to right. to get their, their crap together so they could pull off this heist. And yes, it turns out he had an ulterior motive and it was because of his ex-wife. But it didn't negate the whole deal. This this new film, Ocean's 8, I feel like has two things wrong right off the bat. First is there is no real villain. They're just robbing the Met. They're just stealing to steal. So you don't get that almost Robin Hood vibe that you get from the other movies. Instead of like lovable prankster criminals who are doing 
something bad for a good reason, maybe, or to, to give a bad guy his, his comeuppance. This is just thieves. So I, I felt like I had less to root for. And the group itself is either, there's no camaraderie. There's not like this crew None. loves working together. In fact, Helena Bottom Carter's character is basically blackmailed into doing this because she's going to go to jail due to her tax problems right. unless she helps out. And it's right. just, it felt like, well, that's not how you want this crew to be assembled. I don't know. It just, it was like, it's not fun. I don't, I'm not really rooting for them because they're just criminals. They seem nastier than the oceans crew in the earlier films. And the, the person who is ultimately revealed to be sort of a villain is played by Richard Armitage, who I'm sorry, is just no Andy Garcia. He's right, not. Yeah. So it just felt like, and he's no Al Pacino. I mean, it's just th- this, there was nothing for me to sink my teeth into. And then you add the insult of it's also not funny. Right. Yeah. It, they, yeah. Mindy Kaling was, was not funny at all. It wasn't, In fact, they tried to make Sarah Paulson funny and I'm sorry, she's not funny. She's not. No. It, so there was also the ulterior motive of the Sandra Bullock character, like to get exact revenge on an old partner. On Richard right? Armitage. Right. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so like it's, it's not just bad guys robbing for the sake of getting some money. She's got this sort of weird twist that she needs to pull one over on the boyfriend who set her up and sent her to jail five years ago, which but, I but just... also she she went to jail for something she did. Well, right. I mean, it, she, so it's she, also she not like he set her up to take a fall for Correct. something. It she was, was like she's just not likable. She was guilty of the crime one hundred percent. Now, did he roll over on her? Totally. Should he have gone to jail? Obviously, it was a weird. It was a weird sort of twist to inject here that when the rest of the crew finds out is a part of this, is kind of dismayed. Like, oh, you're not just doing this to, to you know, pad your bank account and get us all some cash. It's to give the middle finger to the guy that effed you over before. And I just thought that that was really odd, too. And the whole fact that she spent five years in jail doing nothing but thinking about this every day was really weird. I just felt like it just I just didn't know what we were supposed to sink our teeth into. The the performances were all to your point sort of poorly or thinly written. The actors were kind of playing against type. There's none of that zip and zing and improvisation that that the other Oceans movies get. And I'm sorry to keep comparing it to it but that's what you get when you set you a movie it? in a shared universe it, right when you call it oceans eight what, what am i supposed to compare it to right and you've and, still got, and, I, and it's still executive produced by steven soderbergh too right like i mean there right. were some of those touches right. throughout the film like they're not trying to make this a standalone i i just wrote things like low energy this film has no buoyancy i feel bad for helena bottom carter you know it's like it's Maybe there's also the fact that at least the Oceans 11 and 13 took place in Vegas and there's something cathartic about seeing the casino get taken, right? Sure, like, yeah. You see these casinos sort of continuously the robbing Americans. The house always Americans, wins, right? but the house now they wins. don't, yeah. And right, they don't right. in those two movies. And in this one, it's, again, it's a jewel heist of the Met and that feels very New York, very fashion couture it's not a world I'm familiar with. I certainly have no animus against the Met Gala. That's right. I don't wish them to be robbed. Yeah. And and also it's ultimately Cartier and certain 
what foreign governments and their you know crown jewels that get robbed so it's like well it's not like there's this isn't a victimless crime this Correct. isn't a you know the the casino who's been robbing people blind for decades it just seems like you're just I don't know. It, it, I, I just didn't find it likable. There was nobody to root for. It, no. There was almost nobody to root against. It was just a, a movie devoid of emotion, I feel. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I agree with you. I didn't have any fun, and, and I was really looking forward to the movie. I was really looking forward to having a good time. I took my wife. We never get to go to the theater. She, too, just sort of sat through it and uh, felt bummer. like, well, that just happened. Uh. She didn't hate it, but she certainly didn't enjoy any of it. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with how they had to bring in that contortionist again at the end to get around all of the laser alarms in the room? Like... Haven't they done that in all of these movies? And then it doesn't seem to be a part of the story whatsoever until the last 14 minutes and you learn that, oh yeah, and the way we were able to get away with this is that we brought in this guy. Like, really? Like, this has been a part of every single one of these. Well, and so that has a couple of flaws. First of all, to your point, that character was in Ocean's 12, 11, 12, and 13, right? He's one of Ocean's 11, he was the the body man who who did the contortionist work and the acrobatics as part of that crew. And so he and Elliot Gould both cameo in this film to help tie the universe together, to tie the crews together. Now, they were not the only uh, ones from the original cast to, to film cameos. In fact, uh, Matt Damon very publicly announced that he had shot a cameo and that was expected to be in the film. But... After the fall of Harvey Weinstein and some of the comments Matt Damon made, he was basically edited out of the film because he is just generally unlikable right now. And especially in a film like this where it's kind of the hashtag Me Too, Ocean's 8, female crew. This is not the one to do. Can't have Harvey's wingman showing up. But I also found it ironic that given that this, again, not a reboot, but this all-female crew... Their big secret weapon to make the score is to is bring in a dude right. from the other movie. Right. Your, not only is that just like the MacGuffin they've used in the past, it's like you couldn't have found a woman to do that, given that's kind of the whole point of your your crew here. Right. Yeah, that was that was frustrating. What's up with Elliot Gould? He looks like he has already died. <laughs> He looks like he died like 10 years ago and someone just sort of zaps his corpse with like a cattle prod and they're like loop over old dialogue. Like, do you remember in the uh, 90s when Mike Myers played Lennon on Saturday Night Live and they would wheel his body around and it was just like the dead body of Lennon was was doing things like he was he was starring in TV shows and he was promoting like grocery store grand openings yes. and stuff. They would just sort of wheel this. <laughs> the body of out. Vladimir yeah. Lennon. That's yes. sort of like the yeah. body of Elliot Gould is oh, in this no. movie. He you does know, not look well. While we're on the topic of Elliot Gould, this is not something I had in my notes. Whatever made him famous anyway? What was his claim to fame? Because I remember back in the mid-70s, he was one of the original hosts of Saturday Night Live. He was a big deal. I know he was very briefly married to Barbara Streisand. But like, what was his... Was he on a TV show? Was he an Oscar winner for something I've forgotten in the 70s? He was in he MASH. Was 
right? Yes, he was in MASH. He was in a, a number of, of movies and TV shows, but he's one of those guys who I think he's genuinely funny, but he's not a handsome man. No. No. conventionally and so it is sort of shocking that he was famous he was great as ross and monica's dad on friends yes he Mr. Was fantastic fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. speaking of people who look a little strange and i hate that my first critique about any of the actresses here other than the fact that sarah paulson's not funny and i dislike anne hathaway on principle what is up with sandra bullock the movie opens with like the three minute close-up of her face and she looks like she's made of plastic like she was in jail for five a, years, though, right? Yeah, but like she overtly looks. Oh, you think she looked strange. too good for somebody that's been in jail for five years? Maybe I think she looks like Meg Ryan. Oh now. dear. Okay. Yeah, not Meg Ryan in nineteen ninety five, but Meg Ryan like two thousand fifteen. Like, <laughs> what happened? And I, what? It just seems so shocking. I've seen Sandra Bullock on, on film in a couple of years. I see her, and again, I don't want to make this about her looks, but it was so jarring. Even my wife wrote down like, "What happened to her?" Mm. Like what is going on here? So Nicole Kidman, yeah, uh, waxy. So like like we've alluded to before, (laughs) I've I've seen the the Steven Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven many many times. Twelve and thirteen, I've maybe seen. I know I saw him once, maybe twice. Danny Ocean, he died. I don't remember that happening. I don't know why it figured into the plot of this film. It did not happen in either of the other movies. So that is either something that happened off screen or it's to set up. The next big heist in which he had to fake his own death. And I mean, I kept waiting for him to turn the corner at the end and drink the the martini with her because it was all just some ruse to get out of going to jail or. Sure. He's not not really in the crypt. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, What's up with they give away how they're going to pull off the heist very, very early on with these 3D scanning glasses and they try to ring like a bunch of wacky comedy out of these glasses. And it is just an excruciating scene. Yeah. yeah. Watching Helena Bonham Carter try to mug her way through as the computer like ticks up to 100%. I know that's one of your pet peeves whenever there's like a countdown or count up timer. But it was like 97%, yeah. 98%. I was like, oh my God, just get to 100%. It's so dumb. So dumb. Yeah, that was, that was uh, an absolutely stupid scene. I mean, the whole 3D printing thing, while I know it's a real technology, I cannot believe could have could have figured into this. I, I I could go on with what's up with forever. What's up with them clearing the Met Gala and then like, like all of the celebrities on Earth have been evacuated and and wanded down on their way out. Yet somebody finds the necklace in the fountain outside. It's like, oh, here it is. And everybody can just go back in. It's done. Like, no way. Like, there's no way that that's, that's how this plays out. What's Spoiler alert. What's up with the fact that the big exciting reveal we're supposed to be high-fiving about at the end is that not only did they steal the necklace, they stole six other necklaces off artifacts in the, in the museum. Like, th- this is so dumb like you didn't need that part at all like just pull off the one heist don't throw in six that you're not even going to show us the details and the fun behind like (laughs) (laughs) so you liked it a lot you're excited for the sequel i don't know if i'm excited for the sequel it was a great movie though okay yeah okay (laughs) well are you ready for five questions let's do it all right uh, listeners, five listeners submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Question number one: Please rank your top five Met Gala outfits, 
by starting with the name of the celebrity and the designer who created the outfit. Question number can you two. Narrow, can you narrow it down to five? No. Is that the problem? You can't narrow it down. We're, we're, There's we're not, just too we're, many. We're not trying to pinpoint this movie. We're just saying in general, overall, in real life, I could. In real, in real life, all the times you've watched and read about yeah. the Met Gala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Too hard to narrow it down to five. Yes. Check. Question two. Um, to what lengths would you go to maintain your healthy good looks? Uh, how does that relate to this movie? Well, this is a uh, a cast featuring a number of very famous women <laughs> who may have be over a certain age and may have gone to certain lengths to sure, sure. I would uh, rightly or wrongly they felt the need to do this. Both Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett are said to use penis facials. Which involves epidermal growth factors taken from stem cells, which are themselves taken from discarded foreskins of Korean newborn babies, and then wiped on the face. There's no way that it's this said is to, true. It's There's said no to improve overall skin texture and correct discolorization. <laughs> Would you ever do that? No. Okay. Was that a third question, or is that a follow-up to number two? That's just a follow-up. That was just a follow-up. <laughs> Question number three. What other terrible dated 1960s film is in desperate need of a slick reboot? Ooh. I, well, I don't know that the original was that terrible. I, I, I kind of liked the Frank Sinatra one. So maybe I disagree with that on principle, but I'm sure we can come up with one. Like, would, would it be fun to see, like, an Easy Rider reboot? That was a weird one. Like, could, could you throw that one in there? I believe someone is working on a Cannonball Run remake. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Or something like by murder by death could be another okay. interesting, you know, all-star cast, lots of opportunities for fun cameos, but yeah. maybe not really well executed the first time around. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question number four, which leading ladies do you think should be added to the cast for the inevitable oceans nine? Uh, I, I mean, I could come up with a list, but I'd hate to put them on it because I feel like people that I like as actresses just tanked in this one. Mindy Kaling is so disappointing. I, I want to think of other funny actresses that you could throw in there, but ew, I, don't, I don't want to see them in it. Now, we don't fact check famously on the show, but my understanding is that director Gary Ross had over four hours of his original cut of the film is four hours long. Okay. And he had to work really hard to edit it down to about an hour and 50 minutes. These were the so funniest it's possible moments. that there's a great second cut of this movie in which Mindy Kaling is hilarious. Sarah Paulson rightly is not even put in that position. <laughs> Anne Hathaway is mostly edited out. Right? Kate, Blanchett, Maybe it's a great... Kate Blanchett isn't Tilda Swinton. <laughs> she really was channeling Tilda Swinton. She was, yes. Fairly, fairly yeah. hard. Uh, question number five says this cast is impressive together. They, they have four Oscar wins, two Emmy wins, eight Grammys, six golden globes, five BAFTAs and 10 SAG awards. Clearly accomplished, successful, impressive performers. Which do you think is the hottest? (laughs) Getting down to what's important. I, I see where we're going with this. Uh, probably Rihanna. I would have to say she's the hottest. 
Really? Yeah, what do you think? I'm not going to answer the question on principle you're not, you're because I respect women too much. <laughs> and I'm not in the hot seat. Probably Tilda Swinton. <laughs> James Corden. Uh, do we even need to do final thoughts on Ocean's 8? No, no, I'd say skip it. How, well, actually, before we skip the final thoughts, how's this movie doing? You always know this. Did it do well? It know, did well. We can... It led the box office. It exceeded expectations, bringing it a little over $41 million. So it is uh, definitely on the high end of estimates. And it, it presuming it holds up in its second weekend, we could be looking at an Ocean's 9 sometime soon. All right. What do we got coming up next in, in anticipation next, of that? Coming up next, we've got Incredibles 2, the sequel to the beloved Pixar film, opening this weekend. We'll be checking that out and discussing it on our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.